So let's examine the dynamics of building a relationship with another person from a certain angle, for good or for bad. The way that we build a relationship with another person is that uh, we have to form a notion of ourselves in that person's mind and then contribute to that notion through activity. So to better understand that, we can turn it around and ask, how does another person build a relationship with us? So let's say that uh, uh, there's one point where we have never heard of a given person. There may be no such point in our memory as it concerns uh, parent, their parents, or guardian, or guardians, or any of that, because from the very beginning, sibling, sibling. Uh, but uh, certain situations, let's say we meet a friend or a person that becomes our friend. At the beginning, uh, uh, at one point, we've never at all heard of the person whatsoever. Then there comes a certain point where we encounter the person. What do we have at first? We have only, excuse me, uh, an image of a body and a first impression that the person makes. Now, excuse me, going from there, uh, uh, each and every interaction that we have with the individual builds up a concept of this individual and, 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 uh, and, and builds up the kind of the framework of the relationship. So let's say that the first impression is, oh, this person is friendly. So that's already going into the account, the so say, of this person, in, into the definition of this person. Uh, now, uh, you know, we uh, uh, we go somewhere, we have a good time. Okay, that's an additional uh, uh, aspect here. Right? And then every single little interaction uh, nowadays, it can be through text messages, phone calls, there's that. Every time we see the individual, it builds up that relationship to the point where we see that we can have, let's say, uh, a friend that uh, we build a good relationship with over the course of a number of years, and then we don't see the person again for, let's say, uh, uh, you know, 20, 30, 40 years. Now, nowadays with technology, that would be problematic because it would be possible and uh, likely to communicate with the individual under normative circumstances. That would probably be already a big strike against the person. But back in the day, without uh, when, when there were no phones, certainly, uh, and, and telegraphs, things like that, certainly that, that was a possibility. And maybe the uh, no address, so no way to, to write letters where, you know, people would maybe childhood friends would separate and then not see each other for 30, 40, 50, maybe 60, maybe more years and yet uh, when uh, uh, we see the person again right, that relationship is still intact insofar as again that something there wasn't a strike against it like you could have written to me or you could have contacted me but you didn't if not that, that, that relationship is intact we recall just where or we may recall if the relationship was strong enough just where we were with that person and, and it's like we never left and and, and the, the stronger the relationship is the more so that holds to where uh, again we see let's say parents are separated with their children goodness or bad in a time of war uh, and again before technology or, or when it's not that so easy to track people down and keep in touch and then you know it could be decades and decades down the line but it's still that you're my parent you're my child why because that category that that concept of the individual remained so we say it's rather outside of time but the the temporal activities build it up we uh, we didn't know of a person uh I, and then uh, we became friends with the person in between that there were maybe hundreds, thousands of different interactions. Fifty times I saw this person, ten thousand times I exchanged messages with them. All these little things that I, I forget the details. I don't recall the, the every single message I've exchanged, every single phone call, every single little interaction when I've hung out with this person. And yet somehow, amazingly, that has built up the concept of the individual in my mind. And now, again, even if I'm separated from this individual for many years, if the relationship was strong enough. 
that person still lives in me just as much as he or she did prior. Now, it's true. If, if the relationship is not that strong, if it's a casual acquaintance, we may even forget uh, the, 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 the dynamics of the relationship or forget the person. But if it's a strong enough relationship, uh, the, it should stay up and until hopefully not, but the degenerative brain disease, Alzheimer's, dementia, things like this, where obviously we see that uh, the, the fact that the person lives in us because even the strongest relationship, a spouse, a child, it can go out the window. A person can have no recollection of the given individual uh, because, uh, again, this this process presumably has been severely then violently uh, kind of uh, short-circuited, to so say. But anyhow, imagine now uh, if, uh, let's say... Um, a neighbor moves in to our place of living. It might be the box next to ours under the bridge, or it might be the palace next to ours. Uh, probably not a palace, because then that's probably we're the only ones. Uh, the, whatever it may be, mansion next to ours, and a person moves in. All right, so we go and we say hi to uh, uh, our neighbor. So our neighbor sees our face and, and sees the way we interacted with them, and immediately they, there's a first impression and there's a, some bare out, outline of a notion. This is my neighbor. This is what my neighbor looks like. Maybe uh, he or she brought me some, uh, uh, thing, you know, some some candies or some cookies or something that. Excuse me, said, welcome to my neighborhood, and, uh, and it's a pleasure to have you here. We're, uh, great, right? The great first impression. So let's say that, just to, as a matter of thought experiment, the next time that uh, we wanted to interact with our neighbor, we saw our neighbor, we looked completely different. Maybe we dyed our hair, maybe, or, or we put on a wig, or we uh, uh, shaved, uh, uh, and, and we got rid of uh, our beard, or we, um, whatever the case may be, right? So then we have another interaction with the, uh, our neighbor, and let's say the neighbor doesn't recognize us. Now, from the neighbor's point of view, this is yet another person. There's a second person, person two here, right? And uh, consequently, it's not going to be related to the first person, my neighbor. Let's say the th- third time we interact with our neighbor, we put on a wig, again, some kind of disguise, we put on a mask, uh, and uh, now, you know, one of those realistic, uh, what is it, silicon or, or whatnot, masks. And here, the, the neighbor again sees somebody different and, and, and consequently says, oh, that's person three. And that could go on, person four, five, six, and we can have a thousand interactions like that with our neighbor. And each time it's a different person to our neighbor. It's never connected. It's never all, it never all comes back to the same individual. Likewise, uh, uh, we, we shoot our neighbor a text from a given phone number uh, and, and already that our neighbor has that phone number connected with the concept of, of us, that, with, that this is my neighbor, texting me saying, hey, uh, you know, your, uh, um, your garbage can fell into my yard or your, um, you know, the smell from your box next to me is, is really stenching or, or whatever it is, smelling not good. So I get the, t- the ne- our neighbor gets the, the text and, and, uh, and takes this to be from a given person. But let's say next time we text our neighbor from a different number and we don't say who it is. Now it's going to be a different concept. And we text our neighbor a thousand times from a thousand different numbers, let's just say, for the matter of thought experiment. Uh, and uh, it'll in each and every each and every time it will be a different uh, uh, concept of a different individual to our neighbor, and that just so uh, for with phone calls, if we change our voice and the number and all of this. So here we see an example uh, of the concept that we mentioned that in order for a single relationship to be built up, we uh, something has to remain the same. We have to th- believe that we are interacting with the very same 
individual, uh, uh, whether designated to us by the same face or by the same name, especially made possible right with the internet. Here's the same name uh, uh, messaging me or the same phone number. This is the same. I've never met this person, but it's the same phone number texting me. Uh, the same thing on the, the screen uh, name or the social media, whatever it might be. Something has to remain the same. Well, other things have to change the given interactions. If each time, uh, you know, <laughs> you, you know, we say the very same thing. Hello, 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 hello. Also, probably the, the relationship is not going to grow much, even though maybe from the consistency of it. Yeah. Hello, neighbor. How are you doing? All right, every single day. But uh, the real uh, good stuff is when there's diversity of uh, experiences, of interactions, but under the same uh, heading to so say whether it's our face or our name or number or whatever the case may be and then it's like that one conversation contributes to the concept of this same person and that conversation and that conversation and that interaction and that text message and that phone call and all of that so that's the idea uh, but uh, we can make it a little bit uh, what's the point of the thought experiment right? so we want to re- relate it to something deeper so we would say that uh, we see that every interaction with X person, with a given person, informs our view of him or her. But we would say that just so, each and every interaction with people in general informs our view of something something else that remains the same in each and every one of these interactions. And that is, of course, the notion, the concept of what we can call humankind, people kind. Meaning, we say that whereas, uh, uh, in the case of our thought experiment, the neighbor, there's a thousand interactions and there's a thousand different concepts. Here's Bob, Bill, Jane, Ellis, uh, 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 Joe, Schmo, Jane, Doe, this, that, right? So many different individuals, uh, whatever we disguises uh, or names we we used. Uh, And yet, in each and every case, it was a person that was communicating with the neighbor, right? My, subtracting the, the robocalls or whatnot. It's a person that communicates with the neighbor. So just so, uh, it, it, despite the fact that we can communicate with, with thousands of individuals throughout our lifetime, could be tens of thousands in some rare cases, probably could be hundreds of thousands. In each and every case, we are interacting with individuals that we take to be representative of humankind, of our species, of the humankind. So consequently, each and every interaction that we have, excuse me, informs, our view of humankind, just as every single interaction we have with somebody that we take to be the same person, informs a view of that same person. Get the point? So again, uh, uh, a thousand interactions that we all take to be uh, in connection with uh, our neighbor, Bob, uh, uh, is all go toward our concept of our neighbor. Is this a kind person, a mean person? Uh, a sensitive person, uh, whatever the case may be, right? they all contribute to that. And each and every interaction, a thousand interactions with a thousand different people, all are concerning the concept of humankind in general. So what does that mean for us? So we would say that being that, uh, it might be inconsequential, except for the fact that what we take to be individuals, are, as certainly as it appears, are the highest expression or the, the ex- ones that have the capacity to be the highest expression of uh, whatever there is, right? Meaning, uh, uh, whether we want to use a word such as truth or, or a word such as reality, a word such as uh, existence or nature, whatever word we prefer, uh, individuals are the highest uh, uh, tangible, concrete examples of that. Meaning, we love the animals and the insects and the plants and the clouds and and the and everything all together, and yet it's very tough to make the argument that a simple stone 
can compare to an individual as it concerns the expression of anything at all. Right? Or, for example, an ant is more of an expression than a stone because we look at an ant and we can see there's activity, there's desire, there's organization, there's survival and all these things. We can draw a lot of conclusions and yet we see that a higher form of life or what we would call higher, just in the at least the loose sense of the term, if not the, the, the strict sense of the term, something like a, a, a dog, we already see a relationship is possible with a, with a dog, right? The dog recognizes us, wags its tail, barks, is happy to see us. We give it food, it trusts us, it protects us, all these kinds of things. So that's a higher expression of whatever there is, right? Than the ant, uh, as far as we can tell. Maybe we can't tell the ant has a secret that we don't know. Maybe the ant is really secretly uh, uh, you know, a genius and uh, a wonderful, saintly uh, entity, but we don't know that so from what we can tell. So a dog is a higher expression, and yet people that are able to speak and communicate and, and recall uh, very complicated uh, relationships and concepts and embody ideas and live out truths and, and strive for ideals and strive for ethical perfection, all these kinds of things. We would certainly say that, that people are can be the highest expression of whatever there is uh, and higher than the dog and higher than the ant and higher than the stone. So consequently, it is no surprise that our view of reality, our view of of existence and of truth is very, very heavily, if not exclusively, informed by the sorts of individuals that we have found ourselves uh, to to be around. Meaning, let's say that I have grown up in an environment such that the vast majority of the individuals that I've come across have been uh, uh, kind of, uh, you know, not exactly... Uh, wonderful saintly individuals they've been brutal they've been mean they've been vicious cruel rude obnoxious arrogant egotistical selfish vain narrow ignorant all these not so nice words these are the only people that i know my parent their parents or guardian or guardians or uh, uh what's it called orphanage uh, my, my teachers my classmates my neighbors my community members these are the only people that i have known every single person around me totally selfish, only is asking what's in it for me. I'm always viewed as an object. I'm always objectified and simply uh, manipulated or as people attempt to manipulate me, maybe I don't allow it, but the attempt to, to get something out of me, to get material things out of me, emotional things out of me, that's all that I know. So consequently, being that individuals, again, just on the common sense account, it's not like I've studied this, it's not like I've given it conscious thought, but like evidently, where am I going to derive my view of what reality is? From the sidewalk, right? Some people try, right? From the plants, at least the the people are so cruel and awful, but I have my plants and I love them. Or I have my my pet gerbil and and my pet guinea pig, and that's what uh, frequently that is what occurs, right? I feel alienated from my parents. Or parent, guardian, guards, whatever combination, I feel alienated from my peers, I feel alienated from my community, from society, and yet I have a pet, and I feel like a pet mouse, and I feel that is where I'm getting my love from, and that is where I have my connection from, and it's extremely understandable and, and reasonable even in these cases, because we see when humanity lets us down, we're desperate for some kind of positive take on existence, on reality, at least the cute little puppy, or a cute, cute little kitten, excuse me, that uh, will will make us feel good uh, about being and about life and about our own existence that we can show love to and that can apparently show love to us, hopefully at least a little bit. At least maybe nature, even if I, it's not really no relationship with it per se in, that kind, in the way that we can have one with a, with a kitten or with a, with a puppy or something, but at least it's beautiful. At least I can kind of go away from, from the, the rotten, spoiled humanity and I can see 
the beautiful blue skies and the green pastures and the, the mountains and the valleys. I just want to be free, you know, the rivers and the ponds and the frogs and the lizards and all these birdies and, and all the different creatures. So it's very, very understandable. But the reason here, it's a tragedy. The reason is that the, the, the expressions of reality that should have been the highest, meaning individuals, let us down. And we're the lowest on the contrary. And then uh, we say that what, what can be the best can also commensurately be the worst. Right? It's the same two sides of the same coin. Uh, there's a limit to how bad an ant can be. How bad can an ant be? It's, it's, uh, the ant is, is bad tempered. It tries to bite us. Okay, is this really going to spoil our view of all of existence and all of reality if the ant is mean and tries to bite us? Probably not. We could, a little kid could be traumatized over a bee sting or something, but that, there's a limit to that, right? Uh, uh, how, how, uh, how much can a, can a plant mess up? Okay, it can be yellow. It cannot grow. But, well, okay, then it's not, it's not such a big deal. But us, you and I, because we can be so great in principle, because we can be such a lofty, peerless, matchless expression of, of whatever it is that a plant and, a, and an ant is an expression of, uh, that is why we can also uh, 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 just so uh, slip up and be the worst possible thing that we can ever imagine and, and replace the, the selflessness with selfishness, replace the, uh, the, 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 the concern for others with pure greed and vanity and narcissism and all these kinds of things. And, and that is why, like we said, the, uh, our view of reality, of truth, of existence, of being is most informed usually Certainly in our state of nature by the individuals that, that we have been surrounded with. We gave the situation where it's a negative such view uh, we, and uh, we have to turn to other things. But on the flip side, imagine a person grows up surrounded by loving, caring, wonderful, kind uh, uh, people that are, are concerned with truth and, and, and with goodness and all these things. And then how can we fail to have uh, a positive view of our existence and of our being? We can't rule out the personal factor. Maybe there's we, we're so twisted ourselves personally for whatever reason, congenital or environmental, whatever the combination might be, that uh, we're still not able to benefit from that. We don't want to rule that out. But in just about all circumstances, how can we not have a positive connection, a positive view of things in such cases? Because we say the highest representatives here uh, that, that we can conceive of, uh, those being people are wonderful. Are, right? It's like, again, we get uh, a, a king or queen sends his or her excuse me, emissaries or ambassadors to, to represent the, 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 you know, the, the royal agenda. Now, if these ambassadors or emissaries, whatever the word would be, are really uh, kind of rotten, they're, they're not nice, they're spoiled, they're stuck up. You know, they, uh, they they give a bad look to, to the kingdom. It's like, wow, that, that whole kim, kingdom must uh, really blow because uh, if, if the king or queen would send people like this, that, 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 that's no go, right? On the flip side, if, if the, the ambassadors, uh, the emissaries are, are wonderful, they're great, then we think, oh, that must be a wonderful king or queen, must be a wonderful kingdom. So, so it's the same thing. We take individuals to be emissaries, to so say, to be ambassadors, to be messengers, to be... Uh, representatives, perhaps we could say, of whatever it is that there is. Again, we can offer terms, but terms are just terms of whatever it is that there is, of reality, we can say of truth, whatever we want to say. And when those representatives are awful, and, and like we described, then our view of everything is corrupted. And when they're great, our view of everything is great. So from here, we, we can just say probably that um, it, it would be great to live in a world where everybody's uh, kind of a uh, uh, lived up to 
the possibilities for uh, for a species and, and was everything that, that they could be and were great representatives of whatever there is to be representative of. And consequently, from the get-go, we would love uh, reality and we would love being and we would love existence and life and all of that because of the people in our life. And yet, if we're going to wait for that, we're going <laughs> to... We can wait till the cows come home. And if every person is simply waiting for that, it'll never, ever happen. So instead of that, what we can try to do is we can find the strength to be that ourselves, even if nobody was that for us ourselves. Manning, I'm not going to wait for somebody to come and rescue me and, and, and uh, save me for, from myself, right? for, from the darkness. And I'm just, just going to be feel free to be a rotten individual and spoil other people's lives until somebody comes and, and, and really forces me to, to step into line. I'm not going to do that. Instead, I'm going to try to find the strength to be an example for others. I'm going to try to find the strength to be a light unto others. Right? And that's, it's extremely hard and that's a big, big challenge, but that's something we can, we can pursue instead of just some kind of superficial nonsense, right? And we would say that every little step that we take to, to conquer our selfishness, to conquer our unconsciousness, to conquer our animalism is extremely, extremely precious by the way of ourself directly. And also, as we can say, by the way of uh, uh, anybody and everybody that we interact with and that we deal with in any capacity, whether it's by the way uh, of our children, if we have any, of our uh, parents, if we have any, of our siblings, if we have any, of our neighbors, if we have any, of our community members, of our uh, uh, people that we work with, of the people that we interact with, of anybody and everybody. If we can step up to the plate and be a great representative of whatever there is to be a representative of, we can really, truly, drastically change the view of individuals uh, uh, concerning everything that there is. Not just concerning, again, the quality of the human species, and then there's many other things, right? Just everything that there is. Everything. And not force people to turn to, uh, to run away from, from, from truth, to run away from reality, to run away from humanity to something else. You know, I, I hate the people. I hate, I don't want to deal with the world. I don't want to deal with... Uh, myself, I, I just want to be somewhere in a in a cocoon or whatever is the equivalent of, of a cocoon for me. Right? So we can prevent that uh, for whatever it's worth. And it's probably worth a lot being that to ourselves we're all of existence and that probably holds for everybody else. And so there's really uh, what else higher is there to shoot for other than our own elevation and the elevation uh, of, of uh, other others, what we call others. So that's something to think about and we can do so. Thank you for listening.